love the cultural diversity of my dating world, if you will. I have a very wide range of people that I'm attracted to and specifically to race and culture, being child-free can be quite the challenge. Hi, I'm Anna Olson, and you're listening to We're Not Kidding, a podcast devoted to sharing stories surrounding the child-free life. As a life coach, I'm passionate about helping women feel confident and empowered in their choice not to have children. And I believe that by sharing our stories, we help break the stigma. So let's dive in. All right. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm so excited. Today we are speaking with Tara and Tara and I connected through Instagram and I'm excited to introduce you all to her as well. So welcome, Tara. Thank you for being here. Do you want to start by telling us all a little bit about yourself? Sure. That overarching question in front of the class, do I stand? Do I need to explain myself? No. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm Tara. I am an LCSW and uh, life coach in South Florida. I'm based in Palm Beach County, Florida. Started my journey working with college students. I was an RA in college and ended up working with athletes. So that's my main focus and target population these days is working with athletes, improving their mental health, mental toughness, grit, resilience, all that good stuff. So that's where I find myself now. Uh, there's lots more aspects to me, but that's, that's kind of where I guess I'm starting. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I love it. And so sorry about your name, mispronouncing your name. That's okay. I respond to both. So <laughs> my mom has mispronounced it before she gave it to me. It's her first present she ever gave me. And she says it wrong sometimes. So it's, it's the least offensive thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's pretty funny. I, <laughs> I, I can relate a little bit because as Anna, it's also pronounced Anna. So mm -hmm. sometimes, yeah. Anyways, thank you. <laughs> oh, and I'm sure you get that too with two N's, one N. I get it asked all the time. There's no H in my name. So yeah. Like, what do you mean it's Tar? There's no H. I was like, look, it's, <laughs> I don't know what you want me. Do you want a history lesson? Because I don't think I have that ready either. We're just, you like it or you don't. I'll still respond to Tara if it bothers you that much. The New York pronunciation of my name. That one's a, that one's an interesting one too. It's like right oh. in between Tara. That's what it is. You it's nailed like, that accent. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. My theater background. Love it. Love it. Okay. Sorry. I have totally sidetracked us. Hakuna Matata. It's great. So one other thing I know about you is that you also are child free. Uh, I'd love to know how did you come to that space of being child-free? It's a really good question. And I wish I had like a more solidified biography to that or timeline to that, but it's kind of always been my default in a sense. Like I've never felt that maternal instinct to want to have my own children. So I think if I could think about the first time where I was like, eh, I don't think it's for me, probably like 12, 13, to be honest. Yeah. I can tell you what really triggered that or what made me think that, but I just remember thinking, you know, I don't think I have to do this. Like very abstractly, right? There's nothing at 13 that was really presenting that as an opportunity to me to begin with. But I remember just being kind of cool with how things were going. I'm also an only child, so that might have a lot to do with it as well. Um, just enjoying that peace and solitude. Mm. And then in my more modern life, my adult life, it's been realizing that that is a question to ask and answer 
of is this what, what what I want for my life? Seeing all my friends dream about their wedding, for example, or being married, and I also just haven't really what's the word glamorize that for myself either. And then when the kids thing came up and I have friends having kids or having younger siblings and watching them care for them, watching people in public with children has really done it for me too. <laughs> yeah. Not to be offensive. It's just, there's a reality of being a parent and I don't really want to sign up for it. So I just about every bingo you can think of. I really have my own response. I love my money. I love my peace. I love my time. And I have a dog and she takes enough of that as it is. So I can only imagine a little person too. And I like kids, but for me, it's just between pregnancy and raising infants. I'm just very uninterested. Mm, Yes. I can relate to that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And then my own personal philosophy too, is I personally believe that parenting should be an opt in situation. Whereas how we have it right now, it's more of an opt out where I you and I get more questions as to why, and maybe you'll change your mind. Have you really thought this out? But you don't see that on the other side, right? It's the standard practice of marriage, babies, et cetera. Right. And so for us being the quote unquote weird ones, it's like, there's a lot more explaining and exploration that goes into that. But my personal philosophy, this is where I was going, is that unless you're a hundred percent on board with being a parent, with every aspect, I think you should automatically disqualify yourself because it's not a small job. Yeah. It is not a small job. So I am not hundred percent on board with it. Therefore, even that 1% that people want to tell me that I have, it's not good enough for me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love some of the things that you have said, like the opt in mm-hmm. should be the default. And it's like, right. We have it backwards. Yeah. And also you use the word default earlier. And I was like, yeah, that I've always felt like I'm just living my life being child-free. I've never had kids, <laughs> right? Like it's not weird to continue the trajectory I've been living, but yet it, yes. it socially it is because of the pronatalist society that we live in. And Correct. But yeah, I love those. I think those two words really stuck out to me, like just living our default and and opting in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my factory setting is to not be pregnant. So, (laughs) (laughs) right. I'm going to keep that going. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) You know, I'm curious too, as someone who has been navigating dating as a child-free person, what has that experience been like for you? It's probably been the highlight of this decision for me, just in terms of that's the biggest sounding board I have for, and the most conversation I usually have about it is in regards to dating my future partner. Cause I'm currently not with anyone right now. And dating has just been the biggest hurdle and I'm not mad about it. It's something, obviously I stand true in it. So it's fine that that's my deal breaker for a lot of people cool with it but it actually ended my longest relationship I've ever been in. So that was the ultimate decision that resulted in the ending of that, where I became more secure in the fact that I didn't want to have children. And he felt the opposite. He felt like he really wanted that part of his story to be true for him. And obviously I can't provide that adoption is not something I'm interested in. Whatever other alternatives we talked about just weren't. Like you can't have half it, half a kid is too much. So 
it's it's that compromise that doesn't exist. And me being a therapist and coach, compromise and communication are some of the most important things to me. And that was that was a tough one because we met when I was 20. So, you know, you're 20, you're figuring things out. I was still in school and becoming more solidified as the woman that I am today. That was one of the biggest parts of that that ended up breaking us normal, natural part of a relationship. People do that all the time with other aspects too. And now currently as a person who is dating, I bring it up early. My, I don't have my dating profile up anymore right now, but it was on my dating profile as something that I wanted people to read. Now let's talk about how discouraging it is that hardly anyone reads it, but uh. <laughs> yeah explaining myself and then people like I'll plan a first date and they'll be like oh I just read your profile I have a three-year-old daughter is that okay N- no oh yeah <laughs> thank you for telling me but no have a have a great one yeah um, but it's almost it's almost nice in a sense where I just have that default that either excludes me or includes me into somebody's life. Like, and I, me being so assured and assertive in that has helped a lot where I don't have to question so much. I don't have to get into my own head. Like that's make it or break it sometimes. And early on, that is such a, such a luxury. And then touching onto more recent challenges with that is I love the cultural diversity of my dating world. If you will, I have a very wide range of people that I'm attracted to and specifically to race and culture, being child-free can be quite the challenge. So if I have a tendency to, which I do, to date Black and Hispanic men, that can actually become an issue when I date them. Because for one, there's an expectation in their family culture, in their, whether it's just in within their family unit or even bigger culturally as in their country of origin, nationality, et cetera being child-free can be one of the most foreign concepts. Mm. So if I'm the one introducing that, especially as a woman who was quote unquote, supposed to want to have kids, right. That can prove itself to be a challenge. Now, when I date open-minded people, which is usually my goal, always my goal. Yeah. They can, we can have and foster those great conversations about what that means, what that looks like instead of having kids, what are we doing? All that stuff. Then the part of, all right, so we're getting serious. When are you telling your parents that they're not having grandbabies by us? And whew, I've been fortunate that hasn't ended anything because dated some pretty strong-minded men. I'm actually impressed by that. Now that I think about it, that could easily be a deal breaker on its own, which mm. is, you know, someone who is coming from a family where maybe they're an only child and they're expected to have children yeah. And especially if they're, they're the oldest or something like that, that news can be pretty heartbreaking for a mom or dad, potentially right. grandma, grandpa. So I have set myself to not be the person to bear that news. I have had conversations in the past where this is your responsibility to present that news to them. If they want a conversation with me, obviously I'm fine with that, but I don't want to be defensive going into this where you're my partner and you're my champion. So that's, a long drawn out answer to your question, but that's kind of where it ends up is now because I've solidified what I want in that area and I can communicate that early. The newest challenge I faced is the extended family mm. and navigating that because expectations are a mother. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I love hearing you and your experience and reflecting on it. I just love hearing how thoughtful you've been in, in all of that and how you've had really clear boundaries and set the expectations out right away. And I can just see how helpful that would be in navigating. Cause this can be such a murky area. Like mm-hmm. if you're still like thinking of any listeners who might still be navigating it themselves. And then when yeah. you pull a whole nother person into it and then layer on top the circle of people around them and those expectations, it just can become so hard, but hearing you and, and your, yeah, the clarity you have and the way you've worked through this, I think is so enlightening and could be really helpful, um, for others too. Yeah. I appreciate that. I hope so. Cause boundaries are, they're tricky. <laughs> they are so tricky. It's easier to a step to verbalize a boundary. This is what I want. This is what I expect to see. This is the consequence I'd like to receive from that positive or negative. It yeah. is so difficult to enforce those boundaries. Mm-hmm. And especially I can speak from experience. There have been guys that have pressed push back on it. And these could be guys that I've never met, maybe just on a dating app or just, you know, want to converse about it. And they want to convince me that their kid will not be an issue. I'm like, your child is not the problem. There is no problem. It's just, let's exclude ourselves from this option of being in a relationship. It's not for me. I am not going to be a stepmother. It's not something that I want for myself. Therefore, you're going to be unhappy with me as a stepmother. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be realistic here. So it's those long-term goals that you kind of have to see through. Yeah. But it's easy in the moment to still kind of flop in your boundary. And it took a lot of trial and error. I got it wrong a lot more times than I've gotten it right. Was there anything that helped you in that process? I guess assertiveness. It's being firm and true to your own word. And it can it's just challenging. Yeah, assertiveness would probably be the best way to put it. It's knowing that what's best for me is what's best for the people that I love as well or want to invite into that love. So like I said, I love kids. I've worked with kids most of my career, um, mostly teenagers, which I'm sure someone listening will think, well, that's why she doesn't want kids. Sure. Working with teenagers is certainly great birth control, (laughs) (laughs) but I loved working with them. And in the role that I was basically a school social worker. So the role that I took on, it was a high need school and I was parenting those kids in at least one sense or another. And that's exactly the level of parenting that I'm comfortable with, which is 8.30 to four (laughs) o'clock with a timer, an hour, like a little hourglass on my desk, letting you know that I have boundaries and you got to get out and figure out your own problems too. I'm going to give you the tools to do it and you're going to go practice. That's my kind of parenting. That is not realistic parenting. I got the good, warm, fluffy part. Yeah. And it's, knowing that I've had that practice under my belt of what I like about working with kids is sending them home. Mm, yeah. And being realistic about that. So going into dating, knowing that I don't get to have those boundaries. If someone's going to bring a child into it, when do I say no? And let's be real too. One of the reasons I don't want kids is because I'm very selfish with my time. You can't tell a three-year-old no, if you know, baby mama needs to go do something and dad needs to take the kid. I have no place to say no. I know how to respect that boundary as well. That's a responsibility you take on. And 
me feeling jealous or upset about that is going to be detrimental to everybody. Yeah. I think that's so true. And that's such a good point and such just ability to sort of know yourself mm-hmm. and have awareness of what, of what you would be saying yes to and how that fits into your life right. or in this case, doesn't. Correct. Correct. And then I think an extension to that question too, is I had to go through one heck of a heartbreak mm. to realize that this is where I was. And I don't wish that process on anyone, but it is probably one of the best things that happened to me. Mm. So I never want to feel that way again. I never want to feel like I'm not enough because someone wants a child and I don't. And that's a realistic part of this journey too, is it's easy to take it personal. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's why I say it so early too. So it's not personal. Right. I think that's such a good point. Thank you for saying that because it is like, it feels like a rejection of you, but ultimately the relationship doesn't work out because of a difference in both people's visions for their life. And it's hard to stay, I mean, unemotional about that. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. It feels so personal. Yeah. Yeah. It feels so personal. And I actually got the flip side of that, that conversation the other day, there's someone I'm dating and I met his friends and it came up organically again, unashamed. (laughs) This is just me unapologetic. Yeah. And it came up that I don't want kids and their response. I love this response actually was, are you sure he's going to be enough for you? (laughs) (laughs) I love that question. I think that's fantastic because it really is flipping that conversation on its head where people are having children to fill in these gaps in their relationship. And we need to get called out on that. Marriage isn't fixing anything. Babies aren't fixing anything. (laughs) Right. Yes. But I loved. I thought that was a really funny moment. I don't even think he was there to hear it, but it was, <laughs> it was a good one. So maybe if I show him this episode, he'll have to hear it firsthand on yeah. with everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Oh, funny. What a good question. Mm-hmm. You sure he's going to be enough? Right. right. That's the idea. Yeah. And what a refreshing perspective to look at relationships with, right? Like it's not about what can you give me in terms of a family, but it's like, I'm choosing you for you and for the life we are building together as it is. We don't need more than that. Right. That new perspective, that healthy perspective of two whole people coming together, not two fragmented people trying to build each other up. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of that comes from. I'm going to get philosophical and therapeutic and everybody, if I go down that rabbit hole, but that's, that's kind of what it is. It's two whole people. I think even with a couple that wants to have kids and develop that family, that's the question. How do we become two whole people creating another whole person? Right. And I've seen too much of, of that question not being asked. Mm. And it's hard. That's really tough to see because you see a lot of I don't call people broken or kids broken, but you see a lot of, a lot of gaps, right. in parenting and emotional regulation and those lessons that we should be teaching our kids. And COVID taught us a lot about how much parenting we're comfortable doing realistically. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was working at that school during COVID time. So working from home, coming back and it was eye-opening. Wow. Especially in the state of Florida. So the state of Florida 
has has had its uh <laughs> pivotal conversations about our school system and what we're set up to do and not a whole lot is the answer mm. not a whole lot mm. yeah wow what a what an interesting role to have through the well, I, I don't want to say through COVID as if it's over, but through what we've been navigating. I'm in Florida. It never happened here. Right? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> We're unfamiliar. Sorry. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I have a sister in Florida too. <laughs> I'll bash my state. I mean, between Texas and Florida, I grew up in Texas. Between Texas and Florida, oh, we're really we're really killing it. <laughs> yeah. I have a brother in Texas and I'm in Iowa and Iowa is not much better. I wouldn't say any better and we're headed. Yeah. Anyways. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> it, is, it is. And I don't know if this is a positive take on it or what, but between Texas and Florida, we're getting a lot of headlines. So I don't know if I like I respectfully do not know a lot about what's going on in Iowa. And I don't, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing because you're experiencing it. And I'm just right. here laughing at our own headlines. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to stay in my little bubble. I'd be happy if Iowa just like cha- turns a corner and we, we never make the headlines, but we'll see. <laughs> I'm doubtful. So something that you mentioned the last time we talked that I really loved was, um, you know, that phrase going against the grain and how you're like, there really is no grain anymore. And I was wondering if you could speak a little more about that. Yeah. No, thank you for picking up on that. It was, I was reflecting on it after I said it with you as well. Cause I don't know how much I believe that there is no grain anymore. I want to believe that there mm. is no grain. I think we've got a lot of stigma work to get through before we go there. But my philosophy behind this, my, the idea behind this is that for any woman I've talked to about choices that they make, whether it's the expected or the unexpected, I could do a quick Google search, a Reddit search, whatever, and find a community of women that are like-minded. And I really think that, you know, we say things like the new normal or basically just like rewriting what our expectations are. And that's what I mean when I don't think there's like going against the grain means that there's hundreds, thousands, millions of women that feel the same way. So is there a grain to go against anymore? If we have these communities of people who are feeling the same way, want to express it. And that's what I love about communities like yours and these conversations is the normalization of these decisions. And that they're all okay. Even if you're on the fence, if you're confused about why you feel this way, there's women that'll either affirm that or, you know, help you pick, pick a side. Right. Unfortunately with a decision like children, you either have them or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so eventually you find yourself on one side of the fence and no matter which side, even if you're uneasy, I don't want to say unhappy, even if you're uneasy in either end, there are women there and men who are so ready to support that, that path, whether it's childless, child-free, child-full, there's so much to appreciate there. So when you look for a community, you will find it. I would like to be challenged to find one that, that there isn't at least one other person that will agree and affirm. Yeah. Especially with this conversation, this conversation is 
vital. I told you how excited I was to connect with you and have this talk and air it and be, and be heard in this way because it has to be normalized. I remember being 20, 21, I guess I was a fence there at the time, but that was because of all these messages I was getting about what a great mother I would make and how cute me and my boyfriend at the time's babies would be. And those comments just gave me the ick. They just <laughs> were not, they were not it. They were not making me excited for this. And I felt wrong. I felt not ashamed. I, I can proudly say I've never been ashamed of this decision, but, or this path, this journey, but I felt less than worthy, I suppose. Like that question of what does it mean to not be a mother? And those messages are still a little too loud. Yeah. So let's get rid of this grain that doesn't exist. Yeah. I want it to not exist. The de-stigma work. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I love, I think you're absolutely right. I think that there are so many experiences out there that there are communities around to lift up those different experiences. And yes. I think it's a really exciting time to be alive. And like you said, the next step is really to get rid of the stigmas that kind of maybe make people not want to be as assertive about their stance. Yeah. Yeah. It's normalizing that journey. Yeah. That question in and of itself. Right. Did you ever receive any pushback from your family or friends or anyone close to you? It's a really good question. I think I am extremely lucky in that area. Like culturally, I'm a West Indian woman. I'm half West Indian, half white. And in the West Indian and Indian culture, family, traditional family values are extremely valued and protected. And even when I say traditional, now I'm like going back to the against the grain because traditional looks different now too. I'm American. Like <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is different. But my parents, I was a late bloomer in the dating world. I didn't date till like the end of high school, which isn't really that late of blooming. But I think for the community, I was, I think they thought I was gay for a little bit, which mm, is funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I think they've always mentally set themselves up for Tara is going to be different. Uh, Tara is going to go, go along a different path and they are right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am here to surprise everybody, <laughs> but my parents have been extremely supportive. Um, my, again, I'm an only child. So my mom kind of helped me develop that value of liking that smaller family that doesn't necessarily have that busy home culture. Like we didn't have the uh, like cheaper by the dozen type vibe where everything's chaotic and exciting. Our lives were very predictable with me growing up. And I think unintentionally, she helped me appreciate that. Mm. Um, and my dad, of course, but like, I just didn't grow up around babies. I didn't have that kind of upbringing. So there, there was very little pushback when I finally told them that, yeah, I don't think you guys are going to expect grandkids from me. They were cool with it. I mean, they were helping me with that relationship I had mentioned um, yeah. and kind of getting over what those feelings were, that conflict I was going through. So they were extremely supportive with that. My best friend is also child-free and we've awesome. known each other since we were 11, 12. So that's completely just by happenstance. Wow. We're child-free. We're both dog mom. She's married. 
has two corgis and that's just luck of the draw to be honest (laughs) but we share like we shared child-free headlines statistics we talk about it pretty often and then there's the people that don't know me very well that's where I get all of my pushback from is Mm. people upon first impression Tara you're so maternal you would make a great parent are you sure that's where I get pushback and that's usually where I introduce the idea that I am not hundred percent on board with everything that comes with being a parent. Therefore I will excuse myself from that equation. I will not allow myself to raise someone that I'm not sure it's what I want to do. Mm. I'm pretty sure, right. Uh, we're going to say 99% that I am not having babies. Uh, the idea of pregnancy terrifies me. So Yeah when I talk about it in those terms, one, that assertiveness too, of, I thoroughly thought this out. So whatever you think I could bring into a child's life or into this idea of family, I've already thought about why it's not a good idea. Mm. And it's very hard to argue with someone who's like, oh no, I would not make a good mom because I will choose Sundays at the pool or the beach without a child. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All these fun things I want to do. I'm going to be thinking of babysitters to take care of my, like, that's not. And then they're like, no, you're going to love it. I'm telling you that I'm not going to be getting anything out of this. And we're not going to push that. We're not going to push that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But it's funny. It's always people that just don't know me very well. People that have met me once or twice. It's rarely people that have known me for a long time. I joke though, that I make a great auntie or adoptive auntie. If you, you know, if someone has a kid and they need, they need me to step in a little bit, happy to do it. Just make sure you said you're home by six. Let's make sure that happens. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And what a great way to like lighten the conversation too, by putting that in there. I love that. Yeah. Your kids will like, I, I like kids. That's fine. Yeah. Small, small doses. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Small doses. Is there any specific message that you want to put out into the world about this topic? It's normal. Mm. It's normal. I, I think this is the first time in our conversation that I've ever said factory setting. And I really think that that should be like a concept. Like this is the normal it's disruptive to get pregnant, have babies, have a family. It disrupts who like where we're at physically, emotionally, all of that stuff. And then for women, obviously there's a myriad of things that happen in getting pregnant and having babies and being a mother. But I think that this normal state of let's really look at who we are and what we want to do. And after evaluating all of that, if having children is important to you, absolutely have at it. But that's the reflection and effort and intent that I think should be behind having kids. Yeah. That's the message that I would like to put out there is let's make this intentional because let's be real. It's easy to make babies. It's easy to make, well, let me not, let me not discount. It's not easy for everyone to have babies. Obviously there's barriers for a lot of people that want to start families in that way. And they can't, but I'm speaking from my experience of seeing very young, people who weren't as equipped to parent in the way that develops mature, emotionally strong and secure children and adults. And I think the more thoughtful we can be and how we can raise our children, I think it'll be, it'll make for a better world. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Thank you for that message. I think that is beautiful and so true. And the intentional idea of choosing parenthood and opting in and really thinking it through. Um, it is so interesting how that is completely backwards. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think to be honest, cause I really don't want to dismiss people who have a hard time getting pregnant. Yes. I really don't want to do that. That's not my intention at all. Approaching this conversation the way we have with opt in, opt out, the idea that it's the default right now, yeah. as it is right now, is to have children and to have a family with that image in mind. I think that actually does a lot more damage when it comes to women that do have a hard time getting pregnant. The idea of this is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm supposed to live my life. And it's a very difficult identity struggle. I work, I've actually worked with quite a few women that navigate that. And I try to be unbiased, right? It's, but with my bias of being a child-free woman, I wish there was that reflective activity and that intent of what does my life look like with children? What does it look like without children? And I would love for that conversation or even that thought process to be more normalized. So that way, I think it makes it easier in the long run when our expectations run short mm. or come up short that if we're encountering IVF or we're encountering any kind of fertility measure, these conversations have been had. The normalization of fulfillment without children has been had. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't women that aren't going to feel that kind of pain and grief because that's, that's so real and heartbreaking but at least there's room for the communities to kind of meld a little bit. Yeah. I would like that. Yeah. And thank you for making space to talk about that in this mm -hmm. conversation too, and to hold up those who maybe do want parenthood, but for whatever reason, it is not something they're able to do easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really important. And it isn't just as easy as often and opt out for everyone. Correct. Correct. But I think there's room for this conversation to fit that too. If we yeah. can destigmatize women without kids, I think that bridges a tiny gap in that as well, in that yes. type of healthcare. Yeah. And I love your point of normalizing the conversation of envisioning fulfillment either way. Yeah. Because it is so true. And I know that in my own experience, it was kind of like, well, I was just assumed I'd have kids and that life was easy to picture, you know, like I'd be pretty much busy for the next 18 years or yeah. plus if I had more than one and, you know, yeah, didn't have to, wouldn't have to look for meaning outside of whatever meaning parenthood brought. Yes. But then when that's not the route you're going, it can almost be a freeze. Like, wait a second. Now what there's this kind of a blank page. And though it's exciting to get to fill it with whatever you want, it can also be like overwhelming yes. in a certain degree because it's not normalized. Like we're not having these conversations from a young age or seeing it in our media, um, mm -hmm. around us of what this can look like. Yeah. So yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Getting messages to have kids young so you can still live your life but also travel yes. and do what you need to do and establish your career so you can have kids in a stable household lifestyle. How conflicting. Right. Yeah. So these, I mean, 
most of us, I won't say all of us, but most of us definitely fall into that trap of planning of in three years, I'll meet the love of my life. We're going to get married. Uh, I guess we'll have kids. We'll fit a house in there. Some like, I want to start my own business at this age. I want to do these things. We, we fall into those, those trends and it's easy to have society help us paint that picture. Society doesn't help us with the opposite. Right. Yeah. And what if it did? That would be pretty cool. It would be. High spaces like this. This is exactly <laughs> what this is for. It's society didn't didn't help me as a kid have this conversation. This is exploration, reflection, and some pain and grief. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, and a willingness to it to do all those things. Yeah, the honesty of it too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, is there anything else you want to touch on? Oh, heck yeah! The word selfish. Let's go there. All right, the word selfish. I this four letter word. (laughs) It's turned into such. I was called selfish by someone I dated for this decision, and it catapulted me into this like feminist movement of, of mine <laughs> and I'll push it on to anyone who'll listen. So if you made it this far in the episode, here you go. <laughs> Selfishness is not a bad thing. Mm. It is not a negative thing. I think most things that we do are inherently negative or excuse me, are inherently selfish. Yeah. Um, there you go. I mixed it up on my own. Yeah. <laughs> so, unlearning, unlearning in the process. Yeah. But every relationship I encounter, it's not, it's not altruistic. I want something out of it. I want to date to feel loved. I want to experience exciting things for my own memory bank. I want to do things to promote the business of being Tara. And I'm the only one, I'm the only investor in this. So me contributing to my own personal business, whether it's literally my business or me as a person, an emotional developmental human being, I have to pour into my cup in order to get the most out of that. Therefore, things I do are inherently selfish. They are for me. And I'm kind of over this idea of being a servant for everybody else. I have codependency issues. So this is me taking all of that back. I Mm. need to reclaim that selfish is something that serves me. Self-care is selfish. It's wonderful. 10 out of 10 would recommend. And I don't understand how selfish became the word of the child-free movement. I don't understand it. I'm so confused as to how, and there's so many arguments about it realistically, like for the environment, your carbon footprint, all of these things are the opposite of selfish. But because of things I've already said, I like my money to be mine. I like my time to be mine. Call it selfish because it is. But if I can be a little controversial, so is saying things like, I want to continue my legacy. I want someone to take care of me when I'm older. Yeah. You're missing me on how those are different selfish topics. So in this conversation, I think there's a lot of room to kind of flesh out that. I don't want to be the only one speaking to it. I really want to have a dialogue about the word selfish. So wherever there's room to do that, because that's my, that's my feminist soapbox these days is the word selfish. I completely agree. I, it floors me too, that it is the word used to characterize child-free people. Mm -hmm. And again, if you think about you know, the, 
the people who can't have kids, whether or not by circumstance, and Mm -hmm. they're like kind of caught in the crossfire of, of these things. And for them to be, I don't know if someone would label them that or not, you know, not knowing their story, like how more hurtful and damaging that could be. And it's just, it is just so ridiculous to me, even just going to the basic, if, if it is selfish to be child free, the implication is that it's not selfish to be a parent when Mm -hmm. really I see them both as hopefully I know not in all cases, but hopefully in the majority of cases, someone is choosing the life that they want. So yes. be that kids or not. And, yes. and then like, I don't know if one's, if, if this is selfish, then that's just as selfish, like, and that's okay. Like, I think we all are better humans when we're pursuing meaningful lives because, yes. um, we are hopefully fulfilled in doing so. And right. just, Yeah. Yeah. Neutral and average are some of my favorite concepts of all time. I'd like selfish to get to neutral. I'd like it to not be implicated in anything. So I can be selfish and being child-free. You can be selfish and having children and let that just be what it means for us. Right. And also like, if that means I'm not being selfless as like the, the martyr mom has been held up to be like, that's a good thing. And I don't think that mothers should be selfless. I think they also need to take care of themselves and have a time. Thousand <laughs> a thousand percent. I wish we could do away with that concept too. Correct. Yes. Let's be again. You're no one's invested in the business of you more so than yourself. And that includes when you're a parent. So I usually try to frame it. If there are parents that listen, I usually try to frame it in model the behavior you'd like your children to embody. So if you want to be able to have boundaries, you have to model those for your kids. And if that means that you, you know, set up boundaries of, I'm sorry, we're going to have to skip this. So mom can do this. You're teaching them how to establish that for themselves too. It's part of that emotional maturity as well. Mm. That growth. Yeah. Mm. But it's a lot of work. Mom guilt is. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> It's got a, it's got a stronghold on us. Right. Right. This has been absolutely delightful. Thank you so much for your wisdom and your perspective and sharing your experience and all of this. I think Mm. that I just really appreciate having your voice on the podcast. So thank thank you so much for hosting and providing this space, not just me, but just it, mm. the openness of it, right? It's by design is vulnerable and attuned. And I like, I, I mean, I love it. I oh, love it. So thank you a thousand times over. Oh my gosh. Thank you. That is the <laughs> biggest compliment. I appreciate that. As we wrap up, is there anything, any advice or any, or encouragement or any message you want to share with the listeners? Take care of your mental health. It's my, it's my platform. I mean, you need therapy. I need therapy. I'm not scared to tell everybody that they need to go find a therapist. Um, if you're in the state of Florida, I do have spots open for coaching and therapy. Yes. <laughs> um, well, for therapy, I'm only licensed in Florida for coaching. You know, we could be anywhere. So Anna and I back and forth with some referrals. We've got you. Yes. Um, but go to therapy. Ask the hard questions, reflect on what's been going on with you. Things that you had no choice in when we're kids, we have no agency. 
So there's things that have happened that we all deserve to reflect on and embrace because there's no other choice. Absolutely. I don't know what I do without my therapist. <laughs> facts, facts, big facts. It's, yeah. I'm not doing this by myself. I am a therapist. I can't do this by myself. <laughs> yeah. Right. In the words of Dr. Chris Peterson, other people matter. Yeah. That's, that's what we're here for. Yeah. So we're oh. be listened to. Yeah. Love it. So yeah. How can people connect with you if they are seeking your services or your, your therapy or your coaching, or just want to reach out to you after hearing this awesome episode? Yes, please. I'm taking volunteers for that selfish conversation. So let's, (laughs) let's make this, let's make this happen. Um, and it's funny. I just posted a TikTok about everyone needs therapy. So you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at finish line mindset. That is my business name. Um, those are the best ways to reach me. Go comment on my TikTok if you if you heard this episode because I'm really curious how many people come come across it. <laughs> awesome. Oh my gosh, Tara. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute delight and I'm so grateful to you. So thank you. Thank you, Anna. I'm so happy. Hey, don't go yet. I have something really exciting to share with you. I created a community for child-free people. That's right, a place for us all to hang out, get to know each other, and become friends. So if you could use some more child-free friends in your life, please come hang out with us. It's like we have our own private social media network. Inside the club, we have weekly virtual meetups via Zoom. We have a community feed with ongoing posts and discussions so we can continue our friendship outside of our virtual meetups. And down the road, we're going to have in-person meetups and take these relationships offline and in-person. So if you want in, head to wnk-club.com. That's wnk, as in we're not kidding, dash c-l-u-b dot com. I can't wait to see you in the club.